Hello, everybody, and welcome to BH Live, uh, where we interview some of the most amazing creators from around the world every week on a Sunday at 6 p.m. on my Instagram Live. So if you're listening on a podcast, it's at Brendan underscore Hansford. So make sure you come down and check us out every Sunday from 6 o'clock. So this week, I've got the pleasure of interviewing Peter Neal. His account is also known as Shoot the Sound. Uh, Peter Neal is a very good friend of mine. He's been doing some photos for me lately. So if you go and look at my profile, go and look at some of his incredible work. And to be honest, he is an absolute legend. I love this guy to pieces. So Peter is a music industry photographer and Sony ambassador who specializes in working with bands in all settings from the back of the tour bus, the studio to the stage. Clients include Queen, Justin Timberlake, The Script, U2, Rick Astley, Elbow, Will I Am, and many, many more. Trust me, there's so many more. Peter specializes in working in situations that are very demanding, both technically and creativity creatively and as such he shoots on an a7s2 and an a7r3 he is from ireland but is based in london with his wife and his two lovely children you can see his work at shootthesound.com and under the username shoot the sound on all online services and before we bring him on i just need to mention we now have a new sponsor for this which is dnaces.com so if you go onto instagram and type in dnaces underscore official you can see there, guys they are officially sponsoring this show going forward so I am going to bring on Mr. Peter Nill himself, and hopefully, by the magic of technology, he should appear any second now. Fingers crossed. I'm just going to keep talking until he does. Hello, Mr. Peter Nill. How are you doing? Thanks I'm for having me on, dude. No, thank you so much for coming on. How are you fine? How, how was your day? Um, it was good, actually. We did a massive uh, clean out in the house this morning, and then what the kids reluctantly, the kids weren't that keen on going for a walk, but we dragged them out. <laughs> And turned into like a, a two-hour trek around the neighborhood. So yeah, it's good. Oh, wow. I've got the burning sunshine on my back now through the window, which is great. So. Amazing. Well, <laughs> I've, I've missed the sunshine on my balcony now. It's already gone and missed. Yeah. How is? I know you were building a super machine. How's how's the new editing machine going? Uh, yeah, really well. Um, yeah, basically, um, I can't, my background long before I did photography was IT, and so every couple of years, kind of build a new machine for doing all my photo and video editing on. So I bought all the components over the last few weeks on Amazon and various different places yep. and then put it put it together a couple of days ago and uh, went through all its testing. And the first job I edited was your photos, actually. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> you, it was it was baptized with Brendan. <laughs> so it's, it's gone very well. Amazing. So I asked this question to everybody when we first start. Basically, mm -hmm. tell us your life story up till now in five minutes. Go. Oh, my God. OK. Um, born in Skibbereen in the West Cork, West Cork, which is southwest of Ireland. Um, almost all my family are clergy. You can't throw a stone in my family without hitting one. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I kind of grew up mostly in the west of Ireland, County Mayo. And I kind of got very into, during that time, I, and I ended up in IT initially after school. Mm. And with photography as a hobby that had been kind of ever-present during my childhood at different stages with big gaps though. And then um, kind of got married in 2005, two kids, Evie and Theo, and my wife, uh, Ailey, she's from Scotland. Uh, they were born in Michigan in America, so a bit of a bit of a long story there, won't fit in five minutes. <laughs> um, but um, during the recession kind of in 2008, 2009, I kind of got out of IT and into photography as a job, worked in weddings and 
discovered that I was not built for working in weddings because the stress <laughs> was just like destroying me. Um, props to any wedding photographers um, who are on here watching this because it's, yeah, I'm not built for that. Um, decided if I was going to stay in photography, I need to try and find something I love doing. Um, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll look and see if there's any way to get into music. And uh, a mate of mine drew my attention to a, an ad in a newspaper for a, a short-term web developer job in a graphic design company that was owned by U2. Mm. I thought this might be a bizarre route. So I applied <laughs> for this applied for this two-week web development contract, got the contract, um, met this guy there called uh, Steve Averill, who's the guy who named U2 and, okay. designed, their album, and designed their album covers. And um, he, I showed him a couple of pictures where I'd snuck a camera into a music festival. Yeah. And that was literally all I had, that one one couple like three photos to show him and um he decided to take a chance called up bono and uh, and organized for me to go over to don valley stadium in 2009 shot that gig there three you know first three songs from yep. the pit um and i was super lucky that some of the material from that show ended up in the official book of the tour the band picked some of that nice. the tour. and then i did nothing for a year because shit was hitting the fan in ireland economically so i had like yep. other stuff to, to deal with and about a year later, I went back. They invited me to shoot them in Paris in 2010 and ended up um, from that getting very lucky to get my first magazine cover, which is a billboard nice. magazine cover with a picture of Bono with his arms out wide. And um, of course you shot Bono. <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of, so that was kind of uh, that was that was like a biz- bizarre. But so I kind of came back from that gig. Still not having really got any paid work out of photography, okay. uh, other than weddings, and decided what I would do then is I would approach local vendors or like promoters in Ireland and try and shoot their shows for like social media for next to nothing, mm. basically for petrol money. Yeah, and did that for a couple of years whilst trying to you know pick up other IT work to keep the ship afloat essentially, and um, eventually picked up my first clients, which were the script, who I still work loads with, and then. Wow. Moved to the UK in 2012, and they started introducing me to other people like, you know, Will I Am and Gary Barlow, and that led on to, you know, relationships with record labels, and led on to some people like Justin Timberlake, and so it was just completely, completely bizarre yeah. way to get into it. But yeah, that's a really shortened version, so I probably <laughs> missed out whole decades and whole people. But, <laughs> but you've got to put it into go. five minutes, right? So yeah, <laughs> it's always yeah. hard to do. I don't think I yeah. can tell my life in five minutes. There's too many, <laughs> too many ups and downs like this. Absolutely, that's the same with us all. So, if you had to define the one moment that you've decided chore- choreography—that's me—photography was for you. What would it be like? Every, I have a sort of story of when I wanted to get into dance. I walked past Pineapple. I was studying fashion yeah. at the time, so fashion design. I was a sketcher and a drawer. And I looked in the window and I saw all these dancers and I was just like hooked and mesmerized by it and had to try it. And I knew that was the moment that I wanted yeah. to do this. Did you have that kind of defining moment where yeah. you like, photography is the one? I had a bizarre, in 2007, Alien and myself, we went to San Francisco on holiday for two weeks. And this is before I'd started shooting weddings. I was still in IT at this point. Yeah. This is pre-brig financial crash. And... Um, I brought with me a Canon 350D SLR, which is my first digital, my first digital SLR. And it was, I, I had been out of cameras for a few years at that point because I'd had a number of gaps, you know. Um, but I had a crappy lens that came with it, 18 to 55 mil lens. But while I was <laughs> over there, yeah. 
the first day that I was over there, I went to the shop and I bought an 85mm 1.8 prime lens, Ooh, yeah. uh, which is a long focal length on a, on a camera with what's called a crop sensor. Basically means yeah. effectively it made, the, in effect, the lens even more zoomed in. So you could see. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I kept this lens on the holiday for the whole two weeks. And because of that, every kind of picture where I was trying to get my, my wife in frame with <laughs> such a landmark... I was having to contort into these bizarre positions to get these pictures. And I still have these pictures, which are just like, people were looking at me like, is he having some kind of fit or is he taking a picture? <laughs> but, but I came home from that trip with a sense of composition that I never had. And I kind of developed a love for photography from that trip uh, because I'd had to work for all these shots during that trip. So that was, it wasn't one moment, but it was one trip. It was that two weeks yeah. that made me realize I, I want to keep doing this. Yeah. And then I went into weddings and went, what the hell? And then, and then eventually ended up in music. So there you go. Ah, incredible. That's such a great story. Yeah. So looking at your career, you've, you've worked with some incredible people and you, you've had a career that most people would die for. So I'm going to ask you, what was your fa what's been your favorite job up till now and why? Oh man, that is favorite individual job yeah. as like a specific assignment um, is probably with the script traveling around the States in 2014, um, kind of on a tour bus, effectively sleeping in a wheel arch in this little <laughs> coffin, <laughs> um, which it is like that. You're like, like these little coffins, you know, yeah. but traveling around the, the West coast of the States, getting all this kind of material back, you know, behind the scenes on a bus yeah. uh, late at night, early in the morning on the stage, behind the stage, like no filter. Um, wow. you know, I, and you know, I guess developing a trust with a client to, to that level for the first time where they I was going to say, in. did you get to know them really well as a band? Yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I, cla I classify them all as like really close friends now and that doesn't Amazing. happen with every client, you know, and you know, some clients you could spend ages was and, and still never get into that zone. Um, but yeah, um, I got to know them really, really well. And, you know, and with that does come trust and with trust comes better pictures because yeah. they, they, they know, you know, what to not take photographs or what pictures to delete <laughs> or, you know, what, yeah. you know, like, deleting is every bit as important as taking a yes, picture. Yes, I can imagine. You know? I bet you got some incredible photos that you had to delete. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And some that, you know, give you kind of tears inside pressing the delete button. Oh, you know? Yeah, no. yeah, but, you know, yeah, but has to has to be happening if you want to have a job. <laughs> Brilliant. So how long did that go on for? How long were you on tour with them? That was only my first, as I kind of my first overseas trip. So that was only, a, that was only like two and a half weeks. Okay. But that, I think uh, that was um, kind of the, the single most, I guess, impactful trip. Yeah. Um, I, do, I don't tend, because I've got two kids, uh, I, I tend to try and avoid doing massive long, like, yeah. uh, trips. And quite frankly, it's not really necessary. No. Because with, if you compare my job and also, well, quite frankly, record labels won't pay or the pay what they used to pay. But yeah, um, with digital, there's less ambiguity about whether you've got what's what you've got right. or not. Yeah, and so the, the taking to pictures to reviewing it, the whole cycle is quicker. Yeah, so it's it's much as long as you remain creative, it's much more easy to get complete coverage of of a tour that's okay. suitable for say a tour program in a smaller amount of time than it was back when everything had to be sent off to be developed. Yes. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a different beast. All right. So on, on, on the flip side, what is, and don't mention names, <laughs> what's okay, the no worst problem. job you've ever done and why? 
like the one oh. that was just painful and painful and gives you nightmares yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> the worst job I ever did was with an artist, and I shan't name the artist. No, don't, don't name, don't name. <laughs> uh, it was it was at a festival about five years ago, six years ago, and they were a meet and greet had been organised where a fan had won a meet and greet with this particular artist. Right. And um, I was, because I was working for the artist, I was asked obviously okay. to photograph the meet and greet. And we were waiting outside this kind of canteen where the fan was waiting. And hearing this particular individual's attitude towards their fans was horrendous. Ooh. Now, for anyone watching, this is not any of my regular clients. This is a one-off client. For anyone who knows my work well, it's one of client that most of you don't even know I shot because I was so disappointed <laughs> in this person. I never ever published a single picture from no. working with them because I was so. so no one knows. So no one knows who it was. Stop yeah, stop guessing. No one guessed. But yeah, yeah. but it's yeah, and it, it kind of just the way that they treated them and and, and like barely looked at them and refused to sign the, anything more than the one little thing, and it just oh, wow. Yeah, I mean that's a standout bad experience I've had and. Uh, you know, 99.9% of prescriptions yeah. have been good, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how, how did he treat, or she, he or she, treat you <laughs> as a photographer? Um, Were they inviting for you? Were they happy for you to be there? Or was it kind of like, oh. Oh, it was, it. It, it was very kind of like, I was just a drone. And, you know, they spoke everything through their their kind of rep who was with them, who like who yeah. kind of asked for things on their behalf and wiped their bottom, you know. <laughs> so yeah so it was not not a not a good experience but that's a rare thing that you know and there's there's very very few artists i find who yeah. do meet and greets who don't actually like their fans you know so <laughs> that's yeah, terrible, thankfully it? it's a rare thing mm, absolutely Wicked. well let's talk a bit more about photography because that's where your cool. your specialty is and you work predominantly with stadium live concert photography with thousands yeah. of people watching the band at so the time, really, obviously. Yeah, so that's really booming right now. Yeah, that's really, really, <laughs> yeah. that's going to say. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Get, we'll get to the corona question. In the yeah. End. But yeah, obviously, right now, it's, it's it's a struggle, obviously. But how do you deal with the pressure of that environment? Because you don't have time to set up a shot. And you know that I've dabbled in photography, and I've, I've also yeah. dabbled in that. So I haven't done much stuff like that in live photography, other than like a few events. But how do you deal with thousands of people watching they obviously can't stop and be like posed for the camera. How do you go yeah. about getting the best shot? How do you go about making sure you've got the right settings at the right time, the right shutter speed, everything? Like, how do you deal with yeah. that pressure? Like, what, what's yeah. your coping well, mechanism? Well, the first thing, weirdly, and I think if you're, if you're in what you're meant to do, I think what one person's pressure is another person's buzz. Ah, so in, in, yeah. in, in weddings, I felt the pressure. And I'm yeah. sure there are people out there who feel a buzz from it. Yeah. With music, I don't feel pressure. I feel buzz. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing I'd say. It doesn't. Co there's no negative feeling with that. Okay. Yeah, I got butter. There are butterflies, but they're butterflies you get like about being excited about something, not yep. dreading <laughs> something, making you run to the bathroom. You know. You, you know. Yeah, what yeah, I mean. yeah. Um, but you know, but because of that, um, that puts a whole different tilt on it. As regards planning it, I mean, a lot of that's contextual. I mean, there are big differences as regards. If it's a tour that you're working on for several nights, then you might uh, you've got opportunities to try and focus on different areas and different nights. Yeah. But if it's a one off with with an artist, you really have to do your homework. Yeah. So obviously knowing the music is a great thing. There's a great performer. You can ha you can work out what some of their performances uh. will 
depending on what the peaks of the music yeah, are. Yeah, I suppose the know, accents good, of the yeah. music will define yeah, whether they're going to hit a moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. So a good performer, if you, uh, that gives you kind of a hint. But there are other hacks as well. So if it's an artist I don't know well, and maybe they've already been on tour, but I'm only shooting with them one night. Yeah. I'll go onto stuff like YouTube or, you know, TikTok or whatever, Instagram, and look for stuff where fans have filmed the first two or three songs. Yeah. And then that gives you a, that gives you a massive leg up. Yeah. Because... If you're in the pit with 10 other photographers and maybe, I don't know, the bass player over to the left of the stage goes yeah. out to the edge and all the photographers run over to that bass player yeah. to, you know, to, uh, to get pictures. If you've done your homework, you might be the one person who doesn't run to the run over there right. and actually be the person who waits because you know the lead singer is going to go and stand on this speaker over here or whatever yeah. the case may be. So that research allows you to get unique stuff that other people haven't gotten because they haven't put the research in yeah so that's one of the things if again there's other levels of of prep if you're working for an artist i love going to chat to the lighting the person who's designed the lighting yeah so if he or she if he or she is has particular favorite moments in the show uh, um, find, yeah find out yeah, from their clever. perspective yeah and often those moments that the lighting person who's designed that has designed that with the band as well yeah and they're going to synchronize their big moments with those big moments so finding out from their perspective what are the highlights as mm. well um, I guess a more boring side of the prep, but equally essential is uh, making sure you chat to the security people, making yeah. sure that they know that you respect them yeah. equally, that, um, that they know that you're meant to be there and yeah. they're, you know, there for the whole, for the whole gig. Um, <laughs> not, and then, not getting wrestled to the floor. As you're yeah, the or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It always happens. Um, and then <laughs> e e equally, you know, obviously chatting to the band. Yeah. Some bands are very hands-on as regards creative stuff, the output, and some bands are less so. Or you might find this one member of a band who's really keen and wants yeah. to get interesting stuff. And, you know, and figuring out whether you can push boundaries. Like it might be that the manager says, oh, no, you're not allowed to set foot on the stage. But it might be that the band members say when the band member, when the manager leaves the room, they might they might say, fuck it. Come on. During the last song, get on stage and, come <laughs> and, and get a shot from the back. You know, so. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 So you have to pick your moments and. Yeah. Uh, know, know when to bend and when to break and when to stand. And do you, back, you, know? do you, when you're shooting um, stadium photography, do you carry two cameras, three cameras, one camera? Like, do you have different pretty, lenses ready on each camera? Yeah, pretty much always two cameras. So, um, I mean, as a guy, for those, for anyone who's into photography watching, I kind of always shoot fully manual with the exception of, um, with the exception of sometimes using autofocus, yeah. but always using auto white balance because it's a losing battle to try and set your white balance. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the lighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, what's the point? And with, if I'm shooting raw, I can fix that in post anyway. Yeah. Um, but shutter speeds, you know, I, I try and keep, obviously it's dependent on the lens and try and keep quite, quite fast in order to capture fast movement. But if yeah. it's a slow artist who's like sitting on a stool playing a guitar, yeah. you've more room for store shutter speeds if you're in a low light venue. Camera wise, yeah, pretty much always two. Um, I might have like a, a 24 to 70 kind of general purpose lens on one camera and like an, a maybe an 85 or a 50 mil on the other. Um, if it's a really big venue, I'll use a 70 to 200 a lot of the time as well. Nice. And then on the other camera, flick between the 24 to 70 and the 85. Okay. You do, yeah, you develop shoulder muscles of steel during this, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, which is, which is great. So um, like I think, I think all my, through my childhood, I was preparing myself for it because... 
I was known as the one kid in school who kept every book of the entire week in his school bag at all times. <laughs> people, used to avoid, uh, yeah, people used to avoid me coming down the corridors, like, you want to get a hit by Bash that you bag. It, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it feels like I had prep for that for a long time. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Imagine, like, how you, because you obviously change so quickly. Oh my God, a shot's coming. Get that up. Get that yeah. up. And then flipping it around. And yeah, and then even <laughs> changing lenses but, like, can be tricky. Yeah, I mean, you oh. have to be able to use your camera without looking and you have yeah. to be able to change lenses super quickly, but avoiding getting dust in it. You know, so yes. it's a bit, it's a bit manic. I've never lost the closest I came to losing a piece of equipment was at a gig with Elbow. Yeah. And I left a 50 mil lens on the foot of the stage and I was then up in the balcony. And then Guy Garvey he shouts from from in between two songs later in the gig. He said, "Hey, Pete, wherever you are, I've got your lens." <laughs> this is great. So. <laughs> That's your moment of fame, and you've got it. You've oh wait, I, it. yeah, but I actually did have one other disaster I have to mention, and I mentioned this in another interview recently. Um, I was on the Isle of Wight with a band called Lawson, who have recently okay. reformed. Actually, yep. great band. And um, it was for the Isle of Wight Festival. And myself and Andy, the lead singer, had gone up the rock early in the morning. And we were walking up there. And a monkey out of nowhere jumps on my back. Of yeah, of course. And ripped open my backpack and yep. took out a 15 mil fisheye lens and threw it down the road. And Andy, <laughs> and it's just rolling down the road. And then Andy, if anybody knows the band, he's like the tallest and longest leg and longest yeah. guy you ever see. He just legged it after the lens and thank God got it before it got to a corner because it would have been over the edge. Yeah. And um, wow. the lens actually, believe it or not, survived. I had to bend back the metal hood. <laughs> of uh, was, yeah. And then I eventually sold the lens to a mate a couple of years ago. So there you go. Win-win. <laughs> the funny thing is the hood probably stopped the lens from getting damaged, right? Because it probably bounced. Oh, it did. It. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my only lens I've ever had that had a metal hood. And oh, it in how one. lucky. Yeah. Yeah. How lucky That's is that? The monkey? Yeah, exactly. Well, I know you also do studio photography because I heard you shot this incredible choreographer lately. I don't know who that might be. And yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> and I believe from you know the experience that you got a real taste for shooting dancers. Can you explain? Yeah, absolutely. From your experience from both sides, what would you say are the major differences between studio and live and benefits and drawbacks and so on? Yeah. Well, for me, before three weeks ago, before we did that shoot. Yeah. I would have said that there was very little correlation. Yeah. I, I have done, I've done a certain amount of studio stuff, but I've mainly done live stuff, as you know. But I have done, like, for instance, Rick Astley's latest album cover, uh, The Best, Which the best of Me. Which looks incredible, by the way. Thank you, dude. We shot in the same studio where I shot oh, you. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of my first kind of proper studio album cover. And, yeah. you know, I really enjoyed that. But, again, as I, said, I hadn't done a phenomenal amount of studio. And then I didn't see a big – I felt I – felt, uh, you know, with with kind of live gigs, there's a certain amount of prep, but there's a certain amount of kind of like living in the moment yeah, and watching definitely. watching for the, the... Whereas with a studio photography, in my head, it was all very much kind of completely planned. And I had just two different worlds in my head. One I was very comfortable in and yeah. one that I'm becoming more comfortable in. Yeah. I wasn't sure. And then you came along. <laughs> and then, yeah. And, but it's great because... It was actually now the first time that I felt that my live work relates to it. I'll tell you why. Working with a dancer, for a start, they know how to move, which means there isn't the uh, the kind of, it doesn't feel like, it feels more of a, a synergy. 
yeah. that the two of you are working to create something. A dancer is all about form and movement, mm. you, know, you know, and as a result, working with someone that you know understands that and yeah. you know is willing to take risks automatically <laughs> makes you more confident in your head. I swear there was one it. moment I nearly fell on my head. Well, next time we'll make sure you do fall on it. Yeah, absolutely. But also, even there was a moment in that gig, uh, not in the gig, see, I called it a gig. I know. Yeah, there was a moment in that shoot where I asked you just to play with form, and we mm. were just trying to light some different positions. And I found myself shooting you in the same way that I shoot the gig, where sometimes ah. I'll, be in the pit, I'll, I'll be in the pit and I'll be shooting from unusual angles to work yeah. the lights into part of the composition with the artists, okay. whether directly or whether about catching the way that the light falls mm. in them. So at that same moment that you were playing with different forms and I was moving around, it suddenly felt this, it actually felt, oh my goodness, this is what I'm at home with. This is just yeah. like being in a gig. Yeah. So for me, it, that's why it's got me excited about it. And, you know, like any, music industry photographer i'm nervous about the future of gigs yes so it, i am delighted to have you know stumbled upon with your help a kind of a a different avenue which i feel that all i've done before channels into rather than something yeah. parallel and separate yeah that makes sense well from from my perspective i've never been happy with a photo shoot before in my life <laughs> like don't get it wrong Jeez. the photographers were great yeah. every photographer I've worked with has been amazing but I've never walked away and gone, oh, my God, I'm actually really happy. And I can't wait to post this stuff. Um, so, yeah, oh, massive. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, it. I've, I've, I've never. And I remember messaging you and going, right, this is this is a new image, Brendan, coming. I'm going for the hippie, new tattoos, all of this stuff. I want a harder look kind of. And we, mm. we did a great image board together. And then we, we spoke about it. And instantly, we just we both knew on set, right? This is what we want to do. But at the same time, we had no idea what we were doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. A, like we we didn't it was know what new for both of us. Yeah, then, exactly. <laughs> we were like, yeah, three hours is enough. And then yeah. three hours done, and we weren't even halfway through. And it was like, can we have more time? Yeah. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I swear we could have kept shooting for hours and kept going. Oh, hundred percent. It was, it was a lot of fun, and I had so much energy because I was like, ah, and again, show me that. Yeah, yeah get the light. My body 100%. looks great. Yes. And there's, and there's so much stuff we didn't get to try that hopefully the next time we can get to. Yeah, we, we definitely need yeah. to arrange another shoot soon. Just give me a week's warning so I can get back on the weights and, you know, start start cutting the fat again. Because since then, yeah. I've, I've eaten nothing but takeaways since that shoot. So Are you serious? <laughs> oh, you were. We'll be like, yeah, I have to wait for the Photoshop, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. We might need to do more Photoshopping on this. <laughs> oh, bless you. So, so let's sort of talk about the idiot's guide a little bit because obviously it'd be a waste to not get you to talk about the cameras and the equipment um yeah, yeah so for the the dummies out there and i don't mean that in a negative i mean like um you know how they have the books like cameras for dummies let's do a yeah. kind of a guide on that can you explain the camera settings and what they all mean so from iso to aperture stroke f-stop to shutter speed picture styles what and i, and I know with each one it has a benefit yeah. and a negative so can you talk about them and sort of say yeah. what they well, are yeah, well, I'll tell you what, there's a single concept, which is the most important. No one's ever asked me this in an interview. It's great, yeah. actually. Um, but there's a single concept. and It's kind of like a triangular concept for anyone who's like looking, has a, a camera that they've never put into manual mode. And there's one single thing that if you can get the grasp of, it mm. opens up every other doorway. And it, so it's not like you have to learn loads of things. You learn yeah. one thing that enables you to make everything else much easier. Cool. So it's basically your three main things, which are ISO, your shutter speed, and your aperture. And they have a triangular relationship um, where 
if you imagine them as three points in the triangle, um, they all kind of have an effect on, on the other. So your, for instance, your ISO, which basically in layman's terms, it means how sensitive your camera is to light. Now, when it's really low, you'll have an image which it will require more light to get a bright, say for, in, again, in layman's terms, to have a bright, properly exposed image, yeah. but will have very little grain. So yeah. you know that stuff when you, uh, when you take a picture in a pub at night with your phone, it's really grainy. Yeah. So that's because your camera is at a high ISO. Yeah. So it's more sensitive because it's a low light environment, yeah. but it's more grain with it. And that's essentially because more electricity is being pumped into the sensor in the camera. And yeah. it causes like little bits of interference between the little dots on the, on the, the, on the sensor and they create that noise. Yeah. So on the other, so the ISO, that's one part of it. The shutter speed that's essentially how long that the sensor gets exposed to the light. So really fast shutter speed, uh, so it means it's just open like really quickly. Yeah. That's good for capturing something without motion blur, like, you know, it could be a bird flapping its wings. Mm. A really slow shutter speed, if you were to shoot the same thing, you're gonna get blur. And so it'll like, it'll, it won't be this frozen thing, it'll be just this wash of an image across the screen at, yeah. the, at, the, at the extremes, I guess I'm talking about here. So I suppose like things at, like sports games and stuff, they, they always shoot at high shutter speed because everyone's moving yes, so fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the third, the third part of that triangular relationship, and I'll explain why there's a relationship in a minute, is the aperture. The aperture is essentially in the lens, it's like basically there's a bit in the lens, like a diaphragm, which can open and open and close. Yeah. And that determines how much light is let in. The op more open that num uh, that 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 diaphragm is, mm. that aperture number is a lower number. So the lower number is really uh, a way to remember that because that sounds counterintuitive. Is yeah. The aperture number is a measure of how closed it is, not yeah. how open. Yeah. And that way, a low number makes sense as letting in a shitload of light. Yeah. Um, yeah, rather than, because it is a, a weird, a weird concept. But when you when it's really open like that, so the diaphragm's open, yeah. you get what's called a very shallow depth of field. So if I was to take a picture of you now, the background would be blurred out. Yeah. But you're and you're also letting in lots of light. Now that, um, which is which is really nice. Yes. Um, now equally, if you imagine that there was somebody behind you that I wanted to get in focus as well, and they were two meters behind you. Mm. Incidentally, there is someone behind you right now. Gary, I looked yeah. at the screen and I went. Oh, you did, did you? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. My, my yeah. balcony's yeah. open, so you never know. Yeah, you never know. Um, but essentially, if that aperture is closed right down. Yeah, that gives you what's called a deep depth of field. Mm. So in other words, it's greatly in focus, but there's, because it's closed, there's less light coming in. Yeah. Now, if you think about it now, if I'm at, in a gig and I'm at a, in a situation where I have a slowly paced artist who sits still on a stool strumming their guitar and not moving much. Yeah. But it's a really badly lit. Yeah. What I'll want to do is I'll probably want a wide aperture. So that diaphragm is open. So it's a low number. Yeah. And and the capabilities depend on, on the lens you're using or the camera. But um, but so it might be down at what's called like one point eight. Yeah. And that's letting in lots of light. Now, because of lots of light coming in, it means that essentially I can use shutter speed wise if I have enough light. I could use like a safe shutter speed, like one 160th for argument's sake. Yeah. So that I know with it on a, say a 24 to 70 mil lens. Yeah. So I know that I haven't got motion bear on them. And the ISO, again, because of lots of light coming in yeah. with, that, with the wide aperture, 
um, I might only need to go up to like what what's referred to as like 640. Yeah. So there's not too much grain. Now, if the lights were even crapper, yeah. I may have a choice here. So I, I already got my aperture really wide. Yeah. So I have a choice now. If I want to still get this properly exposed, but there's still not enough light with having that aperture really wide, I can yeah. either decrease my shutter. Yeah. Or I, and to, in other words, leave it open for longer so that the sensor gets exposed for longer. And that gives me more light, but gives me motion blur. Now, with a fast-paced artist jumping around, you know, off the drum kit, that's not necessarily going to work. But for Ed Sheeran, it might. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Um, but if it's a fast-paced artist, that's not, that's not really an option, unless you want the motion blur mm. for creative purposes. So my, all I'm left with there is upping the ISO. Yeah. Um, so bringing that 640 that we had in the previous scenario, maybe up to 1600. Yeah. But that's going to give me more grain. Yeah. So... You've all, essentially working with a manual with manual of the camera on manual is all about understanding that triangular relationship. Yeah. If you understand which one you should be thinking about what, when, so ISO, you know whether you're increasing it in order to um, allow yourself to take a picture in lower light, yeah, um, or you're increasing it even further to allow yourself to use a faster shutter speed, you know, or it could be the aperture you're 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 making a big number or yeah, quite close to uh, diaphragm in the lens in order to uh, get the, maybe two people who are two different distances from you in focus. Yeah, it might be a, a press picture for a band for argument's sake, and they yeah. both have to be in focus. Um, you know, so um, as a result of that, if I if I don't have them well lit enough because yeah. I closed down the aperture in order to get them both in focus, I might have to again lower the shutter speed. Yeah, or you know, and that might be fine for a press picture. If they can hold still if they're, you know, if it's, yep. yeah, so that could be very practical. Or I might have to increase the ISO. Yeah. So, yeah, understanding that triangle relationship is probably the key thing for anybody who's looking to get more into photography because that is the gateway to making everything else make sense. So I, I'm going to chuck a hard one at you. What if it's yeah. a really low lit stage and the guys are running around as fast as he can? How do you deal with that? <laughs> It, uh, and that does happen. Um, then you, uh, you, you, you have to be, and I, weirdly, I was talking about this in, a, in, in, in an episode of my YouTube channel there the other day, that essentially what you have to do is you have to be prepared to increase that ISO value way higher than you might feel comfortable. Yep. So, uh, so if, you're, if they're running around really fast and you want, if you want tight images without motion blur and there's bugger all light, pardon, uh, but, so you've opened up your aperture as far as yep. possible. If you still need more light, you just have to increase the ISO. Yeah. Um, now, it used to be the case that I hated image noise. Uh, but the fact is, very often an image which looks really noisy on the screen when it's printed looks less so. Yeah. Or equally, when it's resized down from like being like a 60 megapixel beast. Crush it. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. When you crush it, the averaging process that happens when you resize actually mm. reduces a lot of the noise. Okay. I mean, obviously, there are different cameras to help in these scenarios as well. So one of my cameras is an A7S II, which is only like 12 megapixel, but it's yeah. a beast with low light. Yeah. Uh, and that's because the sensor, the little bits of, because it's only 12 megapixels, the little bits of electronics are slightly further away from each other. Ah, uh, got it. So the yeah. interference that we talked about earlier doesn't manifest as much. Um, because being further away, they can't interfere as much, yeah. so you get less noise. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so yeah. So it's there's always it's all about understanding, I guess, which of the three um, is closest to meeting your client's needs, and then work from there. Amazing. So st sticking with the theme of 
the dummies, the dummies guide too. Let's talk about lenses. So similar, okay. similar thing to we've just been speaking about is describe what lenses you use and when and the best ways to use them. Yeah, sure. Well, like I was talking about earlier, um, with the kind of that one lens bringing to San Francisco at yeah. the time for that for that trip. Um, I'm a big proponent of loving limitations. And that's one of the reasons why I love prime lenses. So having that single focal length, meaning that you have to be creative and work for the shot. And I quick, so, quickly explain what a prime lens is and a zoom lens, just because yeah, sort of people so, don't know. Yeah. So prime lens is a lens uh, which essentially is a fixed focal length. That means when you look through it, you can't zoom in or you can't zoom out. Whatever you can see is what you can see unless you move yourself. Yeah. So that's that's basically what a prime lens and a zoom lens is a lens that allows you to go wider or tighter in. Yeah. Um, so when I have two cameras on, on, on me when I'm shooting a, a typical gig, I'll have maybe a 24 mil, 24 to 70, which basically is quite wide to fairly tight, essentially, yeah. lens on one camera. And on the other, I'll have maybe an 85 or a 50 or whatever, uh, or maybe even sometimes a fisheye, which is like a yeah. 12 mil or something like that. Wow. Um, so I tend to love as much as possible doing a lot of stuff with the prime lenses. I have to work more for those shots, but I, uh, yeah. but in general, the optical quality is even better from those. And you get more interesting shots when you've had to work for the composition. But at the same time, the 24 to 70 is a great workhorse if you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yes. Or for when, or something unexpected happens and you quickly need to grab something. Um, so it's not that I, it is possible, and obviously it goes without saying it's possible to be creative with a lens like that. But I'm just meaning using prime lenses forces you to be creative. So when you do go back to a lens that offers you way more tools, yeah, you use them more wisely. Yeah. And a lot of prime lenses uh, tend to have a lot higher aperture as well, don't they? So yeah, they let in a lot more light generally. So Often a 2470 will let the the widest aperture. So, so remember the low number. Mm. Um, so let's in lots of light is 2.8. Yeah. Whereas um, on kind of like a like an 85 mil uh, or a 50 mil, you might be down to like 1.8 or 1.4 or 1.2. Essentially, yeah. in layman's terms, what that means is it lets in an absolute crap load of light. Um, well, and, I, and also, I always because yeah. I, I used to shoot with a Canon years and years ago before mm -hmm. I transferred over to Sony, and I always had my eye on the 50mm 1.2 lens, the L lens. Oh yeah, I yeah, was yeah. so like it was 1500 pounds at the time, and I was like, can 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 I justify it? Can I? Yeah, <laughs> I know absolutely. I never I never went 1.2 on the Canon, mm. um, and then I switched to Sony a couple of years ago. So I'm kind of um, my my main lenses now are the 2470. I have a 50 mil 1.2 yep. that's converted that I inherited from my grandfather, funnily enough. Wow. Um, yeah, and I got was stuck on a lens in a drawer for on a camera uh, for the last like 30 years, and then I nice. got it fixed recently. Yeah. Uh, which is which is amazing. I got it adapted for my cameras. Um, I have an 85 mil 1.4, uh, 7200, a 12 to 24 mil. Yeah. Um, which is great for like super, super wide, wide. Yeah. Uh, yeah, super wide stuff. And I have a few vintage Helios Russian lenses, which are, which are amazing. And incidentally, if any of you like, if you go to charity shops, you know, it's unbelievable how many of them have camera gear behind the counter. Wow. Old vintage, yeah, old vintage lenses. And for most vintage lenses, you can adapt them to most SLRs or mirrorless cameras mm. with adapters off Amazon for about 14, 15 quid. Wow. Great advice. So, yeah. So it's, uh, I love doing that. And you get your kind of unique look that you don't get off these super clean, hyperly manufactured yeah. lenses that we have now, you know?
Yeah. So something just really brings character to it. So I suppose question, this is a question for me. What, what is a macro lens? And why, so does a mac- it, why does it work in the way it works? So a macro lens is basically a lens that has been designed to allow you to focus on something very, very close to the, very, very close to the lens, extremely mm. close, but still, an, an, but still have that object like really large in frame. So if you were, all those pictures you might see are like a hyper close up of a, of a coin or of a butterfly. Yeah. Now there are exceptions to that. There are lens, regular lenses can be often converted to macro lenses by okay. with these yeah with either with an adapter you stick on the end yeah or with techniques like literally flipping a lens around the wrong way and using an adapter oh, to cool. attach it to your camera yeah um, so I've never I've never done that my, never done that myself but macro photography it is it's something I would love to do more of I play I had a macro lens for a while many years ago. Mm. And, um, and I really enjoyed kind of this. This is before I was in gigs or weddings. Yeah. I used to, back when I lived in Wicklow in Ireland, I used to visit this local butterfly farm. And I have a whole load of like macro pictures. Amazing. Of, you know, the, the heads of butterflies and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, it's definitely something I'd love to do more of uh, at some point. <laughs> and I noticed um, we were talking about this last time we met about your moon photography. And I remember saying to you, oh, I thought you just took that image off the internet. But actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've created a killer lens, haven't you, to take photography yeah, uh, of the moon? Well, it's you see what, what happened was it's uh, during the during lockdown. First thing I did was contact Sony, <laughs> and I said, "Can I borrow one of your ridiculous Formula One sports lenses? These yeah. enormous beasts." So they sent me the six hundred mil lens, or no, four hundred mm. mil, but with an adapter to basically turn it into six hundred. Yeah. Um, and stuck that on this tiny tripod and was taking pictures during lockdown of the moon. Yeah. And then, now these lenses cost ludicrous money that I would be shot that I've even yeah. dreamt about spending right now. Yeah. So when I inevitably gave that lens back after two months, I was like, I need some kind of like long lens fix. I, yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't lose the moon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I'm going to go and grab it. It's over there. You're going to hear some rumbling and crashing, but let me go and get this. Go, go, One go, second. go, 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 go. So for the people on the podcast, just so you know, he's running off to get a lens. Uh, if you want to see what this lens is like, go on his Instagram. And I think there's a picture on there somewhere where he's been taking pictures of the moon. And again, if you're on the podcast, head over to the YouTube channel and you will see on the video the lens he's about to show us, which is absolutely ridiculous. And hopefully I will talk right up to the time he gets back. Look at that. And here you are. There we go. It's almost like we've landed. <laughs> so... This is not not a finished project. There are some old lenses, vintage lenses have can get what's called a, kind of a mold in them. Yeah, can be removed, but you need special tools. So I have here. This is one part of the project. <laughs> You're gonna have to go back. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go back. So basically, this isn't even the whole thing. There's another part that isn't attached. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, an old Minolta 400 mil. Yeah. Um, aperture is 5.6. It's pretty good optically. Optically. And then this is basically a, a two, a three X, a three X adapter, which magnifies by three, by three yeah. times. Now that brings it to about basically 1200 millimeter. <laughs> now that on its own is probably the thing that when I get it properly fixed that I'll use most. Yeah. Because if you start, although I do have other adapters, yeah. these are all different two X and three X adapters stacked on top of each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> Using them all at the same time would A, be impractical plus so little light because every adapter you add in is kind of reducing the amount of light that's, Got it. that's getting to the camera. 
and also once you go beyond a certain focal length you actually yeah. kind of lose a lot of sharpness so yeah technically if i was to put all these together this um uh, which they do clip together it is, um in fact hold on let me just see if i can <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make it work Sounds like it sounds like it really sounds like I'm prepping some kind of gun. It does, it's really it? <laughs> it's not good, right? So, so we're at yeah, the pan so, across. Yeah, I feel like I feel, really I feel like I'm watching an episode of Star Wars where the, the yeah Millennium Falcon flies across the screen. So with all these adapters and three X and two S adapters, technically this yeah. this is kind of like a twenty thousand millimeter lens. Wow, um, which is completely. But if you were to look down it with an incredibly steady tripod, yeah. It would, uh, with that level of magnifiers used, it would really be kind of blurry and unusable. Yeah. So I'm aiming to settle initially for settle for 1200 mil. <laughs> just, um, just settle for those 1200. Yeah, yeah, settle for 1200 once I get the mold removed from this bit. Um, yeah. But there's, there's loads of little lens repair places in London which are great yeah. for, you know, 50 quid and that'll be sorted. Amazing. So that's the Sick. plan. I knew, I knew you'd go off on one about lenses. That's why I asked you. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So, right. um, <laughs> so what do you, this is a really basic question actually what do you think makes a good shot and feel free to go into a rant about composition and everything i don't know it's really i that's a really hard one in some ways i think at the end of the day is not being feeling slave to rules like things like i hate the word rule of thirds for a start okay because uh you know they are and, and that's not to say it's not useful because mm -hmm. they can be useful as helping you find starting points with your photography. Yeah. But not to feel constrained by them. You know, um, I mean, in this context, uh, context of music, I think a good shot is a, is, allow, uh, is a shot that allows someone to feel some of the energy like they were there. Yeah. And, and you want somebody who's been to the gig when they see it to remember some of the feeling that they had. To create emotion. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or so it might be an emotional moment. Like there's one, and I obviously I can't put images on screen now in this instagram but there's one particular image in fact that i will post on instagram later because of this yeah um i took in um in new york with the script and it was in radio city music hall mm. and danny i was at the back of the stage and danny had his arms up was singing out to the crowd and someone in the front row just reached out and put their finger on like on his shoe <laughs> just touching his shoe and it was just like their way of connecting yeah. And, I, and I saw it and I was so lucky because they did it once and I shot, shit, I missed it. But they did it again and I got it. Yeah. Incredible. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was, it, it, it's bizarre. I mean, I, it, you know what it actually reminded me of? It reminded me of that Bible, I know, this, that old Bible story about the woman touching Jesus's cloak to try and get healed. It was like, you know, it was like just someone reaching out to touch, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for me, that was that, that was something I regard as a good shot because it captured okay. something that was uh, about emotion, about power and about yep. someone seeking connection in a way that they ha wouldn't normally be able to get it. Wow. So, uh, I mean, obviously there are technical aspects of, of a good shot about, you know, being, getting a good exposure so your highlights yep. aren't blowing out and making sure that it's sharp. But at the end of the day, for me, a shot either, a good shot is a shot that feels like a good shot. Yeah. You know, and the quality of the guard, whether it is too noisy or not, is almost secondary. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not to say they don't matter, but the, those things matter to help accentuate yeah. the primary, the primary thing, and not not become the primary. Amazing. Is that? Yeah, no, no, no. So, so 
a lot of there's a lot of performers that kind of follow my podcast and because uh, obviously experience is going to go on YouTube, it's going to go on a podcast and it'll be on IGTV. So I'm going to spread you everywhere across the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's a no lot pressure. of performers that watch it and go and watch my thing. So I know that coming out of this kind of crazy time that's happening right now, good old Rona, is people are going to be looking to get new portfolios and get into new photos. How does a performer who knows nothing about photography spot the difference between a good and a bad photographer i suppose you probably shouldn't answer that let me ask it in a different way okay how tell us what you think what's the best way to find a good photographer and know you're getting a good photographer so for someone that shall we say knows nothing about photography it's quite a hard question actually Ooh, <laughs> that is know. a hard question yeah it's, it's definitely a hard one uh, but that's good put me in this spot yeah uh, let me think now well, there's there's more than one factor. It's not just first of all. It's mm. not just looking at their. Okay, well, I, there's two there's two parts to this. Okay. Part of it is if you go and look at their samples of their work. Yeah. Um. Now, if there they may be some, there's nothing wrong with the fact that they may be someone just starting out. Yeah. Uh. So if if it's the case that you only see, twelve or fifteen pictures of the one person or the one act mm. or whatever the case, what you tend to say, photographer, that's not necessarily an alarm bell. But it is something to be mindful of. So if you're looking specifically for someone with a lot of experience of different people, you need to look yeah. at their portfolio. Yeah. Equally, you should be looking at, you know, for argument's sake, different types of artists want to make, know that you understand their their music. So if yeah. I if I'm if I'm working with a very slow well, for I mean, topically speaking, I was very blessed to have worked with Ennio Morricone quite a bit and been out to Italy to his home okay. in Italy and. Um, and at rehearsals and also stuff in, in Ireland and the UK. Now, I had shot some stuff with, you know, classical performers before, nothing major. Yeah. But when his management looked at that, that gave them some sense that, yes, I could switch into that mode and, yeah, and okay. switch off from the rock and roll mode. Yeah. So you're, I think we're looking at your one thing you have to do is make sure the person understands you and understands what you want to be. And they're not going to try and make you look like, mm. you know, look, look like a punk rock star or whatever the case may be. If that's, if that's, if change that's the image you. completely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> uh, they have to be able to, you know, pretend, it's not that they can't stretch the, because that photographer's mm. own creativity, which you're hiring them for. Yeah. They bring you to places that you haven't thought of. Yeah. And that's great. But, uh, but at the same time, there, there has to be some kind of synergy and meeting mm. point in the middle. So I would say talking to them, uh, whatever the case is, definitely uh, a, a, cri a critical a yeah. critical thing. Um, equally, when you do talk to them, and again, this is less of a technical thing, but you need to make sure, I mean, again, I know this, this applies for music, but really I'm sure it applies behind the scenes in the dance world mm. as well, and all, all kinds of performance art, is that they have to play well with others. Yes. They have to, you know, be a team player. They have to, you know, when something doesn't go right or... It, you know someone's upset about something or someone's in a bad mood that yep. they know how to deal with it they know when to step back they know when to put the lens cap on the camera they know how to drop yep. tools and help someone out who's having a hard time you know it, it, to be a positive thing and that you know and not be a diva i i have met most, almost all the photographers i work with are amazing yeah but i've met one or two who arrive at a gig and think they're the be all and end all and it's just like you know, it's just not the way. It's not. It's not the way to a way to approach it. Yeah. So I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, obviously, you want quality of work, but you want them to. You want to talk to them to make sure that 
they understand you yeah and then through that combined with having looked at their work you feel that they have the technical skills and the creative skills to mm. match their understanding yeah. of who you are uh combined with the practical things about being able to work well with others yeah and that's a really wangled answer to your question dude but hopefully no 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 I, you got it. there you got there you got there yeah <laughs> we just about exactly yeah and back and then with bilbo baggins yeah, yeah. There we go. so corona mm. corona 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 good old rona i i already know but it, very briefly how has it affected you <laughs> Um, being that you do losses, <laughs> yeah, it has had quite a quite a big effect. Quite a big no. effect. I mean, pretty much all my live gigs for this year mm. are canned. Uh, the script that I was on tour with when it happened, um, they're obviously tour is postponed to yeah. next year. Uh, Rick Astley's tour, who I've been working working on with, is postponed. yes, Rick. I yeah, I, I love I, Rick. Most, Oh, he's amazing. And his comeback in his last few years has been phenomenal. Yeah. Now, on that note, um, he uh, himself and his manager have kind of been a, very much a blessing to me because mm. I have also been doing other work with them yeah. for, 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 this, for this last, for quite a while now, working on some, uh, some like video stuff with Rick. I directed a music video of his a couple of, a couple of, a couple yeah. of years ago, but, um, but I've also been working on just a number of kind of projects connected to connected to his music. Yeah. And obviously those I've stepped more into those things during this lockdown time. Yeah. Uh, which has enabled me to, I guess, survive a lot more easily than I would have. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm lucky to be able to say, and you know, largely thanks to the projects that I'm involved in now with him, that I have a, a way through this crisis yeah. for the for the moment. And then, but I'm looking forward to when gigs come back to hopefully being back out there. I mean, I have so many friends who work in music who are so struggling, like whether yeah, they be imagine. backline techs or lighting designers oh. or you know, you know, um, guitar techs. You know, just anyone and everyone, you know, people who yeah. do work at the sound desk, the in-ear monitors, um, just anything and everything. There's a whole ecosystem which is in turmoil, dude. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of people share your opinion that it, it's going to be next yeah. year, if not later, before yeah. things like mass concerts happen. And, you know, it's the same way we're having the problem with the theatres as well. Um, although they're looking to open sooner, a lot of people are kind of saying, it's unlikely that this year, because how can you social distance at a theater and afford to keep it open? It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, no, it's, they, you can't you I, can't operate at thirty percent, twenty percent capacity and make money no, in that world. No, the tickets would have to become an, uh, completely unaffordable in yeah. a time when people have less money. Yeah, and so, they're expensive yeah. already. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. It's kind of this whole crisis has shown the weaknesses of the the nature of how capitalism yeah. is structured. You know yes. and. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and down the line in some utopia, I kind of wonder if some kind of hybrid between the values of capitalism and communism where it meets in the middle in some probably unsustainable utopia is 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 necessary. But I, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. I, I do believe there's there's a social floor that no that that no one should fall through, no. you know, and that we and no matter what, everybody has a responsibility to those who can't help themselves, whether that's their own fault or not. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we'll be judged by how we behave towards those who need the most need. So exactly. Whether, whether, exactly. Whether, they're, whether they're the cause of their own need or not. 
Yeah, well, you know me. I'm I'm all about how much can I help. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. That's literally been my motto since the lockdown. Is yeah. How can I help? How can I help you? Well, you've been a phenomenal help to me recently. I tell you that, man. <laughs> well, actually, I was just about to get onto that. Is obviously, you know, we 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 met up, and to be honest, you only had time, and I only had time to do that because of the lockdown, which I suppose yeah. is one, you know, one out of many positives we can take from everything happening like don't get me wrong everything's happening in the world is absolutely devastating and obviously a lot of people losing their life and that's super sad but i i believe many businesses many amazing things are going to be created from this lockdown and i think people are just going to get more and more intuitive and more creative to bring yeah. everything back we've got two minutes left it's going to i didn't even realize oh, really? the time. yeah it's oh, just my word. Time. okay so i'm going to give you a quick plug in the last two minutes is Obviously, we work together and you found this love for working with dancers, which you can closely relate to what you've done with your life. Yeah, work. absolutely. Now, tell me if I'm too far in saying this, that because you're, you want to build up your portfolio of working with dancers, that you're willing to offer something right now? Yeah, 100%. Basically, I'm doing kind of like a, a, kind of like a half, half price deal uh, where I'm doing like a four hour session um, for basically... Uh, for for like around around the kind of like two two to three hundred pr- yeah and where you get like you know eight edited fully edited shots yeah um and out of that four hour session yeah obviously you get to go through them all and pick which ones you want worked on and then yeah. we go back and forth between and it basically uh yeah i'm offering that for the for for the moment for the next little while basically for anyone who's connected uh with brendan so that applies to anyone watching here yeah so um, guys if so, you are watching yeah Send, go to shoot the sound on Instagram. Send a message saying I'm interested in the photo shoot. I watched you on BH Live, or I know Brendan. Even if you don't know me, just lie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just lie. Get a discount. I'm not gonna. There'll be no quiz. There'll be no quiz. There'll be no quiz. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll bounce messages between each other. But yeah. If you send it through, I would say 100% do it. Why Peter is still quiet before he gets back into his crazy lifestyle, which was happening before lockdown. I know I'm going to be taking advantage of a second shoot that we've got to go outside and do like mm-hmm. a crazy one running around London or something. Um, so if people want to get hold of you, they can go to shootthesound.com. They can go yeah. to shoot the sound on all your social media. Uh, That's is there, right. You've and got, YouTube. And YouTube. YouTube. Oh, yes. Channel. Lastly, go and watch Peter's new YouTube videos. They're amazing, especially with working with photography and cameras and so on. Anything I missed, you've got five seconds. Thank you, dude. Uh, Anthony, oh, have I got five seconds? Um Keep safe, everyone, and thank you for actually listening to me ramble for this long. <laughs> Do you know what? This is the most fun. I'll see you later, guys. Take care. Bye.